I know. <laughs> but one of my mates who... Uh, I, I used to go to the same church as him. We've been, uh, you know, going through our Christian walk for over 28 years. And he says, uh, I've seen that sign outside your church. We don't do boring. What does that mean? And I thought, if only you'd come tonight. <laughs> hey? Oh, well, I hope everybody's enjoyed Mother's Day. Uh, you know, I just love being in church. I really do. You know, I, I go to the stags and I meet with my friends and it's great. You know, don't get me wrong, I, I enjoy that. But there's something about being in church. There's something about being in church. And this church, you know, we have lots of fun. We have a good laugh. But there's something about being in church because of the presence of God. Can you imagine the presence of God? Just descending now. We know, don't we, that God is present all the time. He's omnipresent. He's here all the time. But we read in the Old Testament when Moses took the Israelites through out of Egypt, the manifest presence of God, cloud, pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night, visible representation of God. Wouldn't it be amazing if we come one Sunday expecting the presence of God? To be manifest. The glory of God just beginning to descend like a cloud. The Holy Spirit just beginning to move through the congregation. Just like a gentle breeze. Just like a gentle dove. The presence of God changing people's lives. Even whilst I'm talking now, the presence of God just resting on people. People just being touched. Because they know they are in the presence of God. Healings taking place instantaneously because of the presence of God. People being overwhelmed with a sense of joy and peace because of the presence of God. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't you want to belong to a church like that? I do. And it's a possibility. It can happen. It can happen now because God just loves to come amongst his people. We know that God won't appear or won't come down in such a manifest presence where there's disunity, where there's discord, where there's falling out and arguing. But when we meet together with one accord, with one heart, the possibility of the presence of God coming down in such a powerful way, is a probability. One way we can get into the presence of God is by reading his word. It says in John, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So by reading his word, we can enter into the very presence of God. This is an amazing book. Mine's getting a bit tattered and and torn now. But I just love it. It's an amazing book. It's full of stories. It's full of symbolisms and theology. But it's so much more than this. Because this is a book of life. 
We all know, don't we, those of us who read the Bible, sometimes we read the daily readings or we read the word and sometimes we understand the principles and sometimes we, we know that it's doing us good, but it doesn't really speak to us out loud. And then at other times, we can read the same passage and the presence of God just comes in. And the presence of God just makes the words on the page just spring out, just come alive. And you know in your heart, you know in your mind that God is speaking to you. Well, I had that experience a few weeks ago. And I just want to share with you tonight to give you an example of when you start reading the word of God, how his presence can begin to change you. So we're going to share from the book of Genesis. It'll come up on the, on the screen in a moment, but before we get there, I want to set the scene. Well, actually, I want to set two scenes. The first scene is a personal scene. It's about me, where I was at that time. You know, we've been doing the uh, 21 days of fasting and prayer in January. And during that time, I'd really had a, like a, a soul-searching experience. I wasn't in a bad place. Please understand me. I wasn't, you know, struggling with my faith or having a bit of a wobble or anything like that. But I was really beginning to ask questions and say to myself, what am I doing? Where am I going? Am I actually in the will of God? What does God want me to do in this new season, this new year? What are my expectations? What is my purpose? So I was asking all these questions. And every day I was reading my daily readings. And, and they were good, you know. I knew they were doing me some good. They were very good principles. But one morning, I read a passage. And it just came alive. It was as though God said to me, Paul, are you reading this? Paul, are you reading this? Because this applies to you. This is a, a passage out of Genesis that was written thousands and thousands of years ago. And yet God was speaking to me. You know, I've been in this church now for four or five years, something like that. And I was asked to be an elder. And, and I, you know, I, I'm sort of like, at this time, I was sort of like praying, well, God, you know, it's take me time to get to know people. And I felt the weight of responsibility of what an elder means. And I've been working through that and working and, and adjusting different things about what eldership means to me and, and that weight of responsibility. And Liz and I are, were asked to head up the small groups. And that's had its pressures and challenges. And we're seeing a bit of fruit come out of that now. But what is the next stage? What is the next season for small groups? So all these things were just buzzing round my head. And then I read this passage. So that's scene one. That's a personal scene. Scene two, let me tell you the biblical scene. It's about Abraham. Not Abraham, he's not had his name changed yet, but Abraham and Sarai. And Abraham and Sarai had to move out of their land because of famine and to go to Egypt. And Abraham says to Sarai, you are very beautiful. She was apparently a bit of a babe. If the Pharaoh sees you, he will kill me 
and take you for his own wife. So I want you to tell the Pharaoh that I'm your brother. Then he'll treat me well. He won't kill me. And so that's what they do. So they go into Egypt and Pharaoh takes a shine to Sarai. And he treats Abraham very well. Gives him camels and donkeys and female servants and goodness knows what. But the Lord plagues Pharaoh because Sarai was Abraham's wife. Pharaoh finds out about this and basically kicks them out. And this is where we join the story now. So they've left Egypt. And this is the, the verse that really spoke to me. And I hope it speaks to you as well. So let's read Genesis chapter 13, verses 14 to 17. Just three short verses. And it says this. And the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now. Or all the virgins say, look up now. Look up from the place where you are. Northward, southward, eastward and westward. For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Verse 17. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. Now Abraham was a was in a place where good things had been happening. The flocks had been multiplying, but he had just given away the best piece of land. Because what had happened as they left Egypt, they settled down with his nephew, Lot. And their flocks had multiplied to such an extent that strife had broken out between the herders, between the two families. Abraham, wanting to restore that relationship, said to Lot, you take, you choose, you take what land you want. Now, Lot looked and saw that the land in the plain of Jordan was well watered. So he chose that. And Abram had to walk away. And this is where we join him. Abram was in a place where good things had been happening. His flocks had been multiplying. They'd just given away the best piece of land to his nephew. He was no doubt a bit downcast. His thoughts and minds and eyes focused on the situation, focused on the problem rather than looking for the solution. That was just like me. I was focusing all my attention on what I'd been through and the problems and concerns that were facing me rather than looking for the solution. Question. Are you in that place tonight? Look up from the place where you are. It is more than a physical, geographical position. Look up from where you are emotionally, in your heart. Is your heart attitude right? Are you always moaning and complaining about everything and everyone? Time to check your heart attitude. Look up from where you are financially. Are you in control of your finances or do your finances control you? There's nothing wrong with wealth as long as you're using it right. Are you always grasping, wanting more? Or are you content with what you have? Look up from where you are. For your finances. Look up from where you are 
relationally? Are you doing everything you can to keep your good relationships? Or do you take people and loved ones for granted? I heard a story of two Christian ladies working in the church office. And one was always cold, so was closing the window. And one was, oh, I'm suffocating, it's so hot in here. She was always opening the window. Another one, I'm dying of hypothermia. So she closed the window. The boss, I'm going to faint any minute and open the window. And this went on for weeks and weeks. This is not in our church. I'll tell you that. But this was going on. And the pastor finally said, look, girls, ladies, ladies, I've got a solution. We'll close the window. And the lady that suffocates, then the other lady can open it. And when she's died of hypothermia, at least there'll be peace and quiet. Silly story, but it's amazing how little niggles can get into relationships. Look up from where you are. Are your relationships good? Are they wholesome? Look up from where you are spiritually. Do you really spend time with God reading God's word? Or do you just pretend to? It's time to look up from wherever and whatever is going on in your life, whether it is good or bad, and take stock of your life. Look up from the situation you are in and look out at what God has got in store for you. Read the story. When you get a chance, read the story about Lot and Abraham and compare them. Look at the way that they view life. Lot looked with his eyes. Abraham looked with his heart. It's a great, great story. You know, he can never outgive God. Abraham learned that by giving away the best bit of land to his nephew in order to save relationship, that God cherished that and honored that heart attitude and gave Abraham so much more. I love verse 17. Arise! What a strong word. It's a strong word. It's an action word. It's more than just standing up or get up. It's a rise, speaks of standing up to take your rightful place. It's an instruction. It is intentional. It's as though you have been sleepwalking through life. And all of a sudden, God says, arise. Come on. You can do it. You can achieve what I want you to achieve. Arise. Shrug off that which hinders, which holds you back, and walk into the land that I have given you. I found this word so encouraging on a personal level. And I hope you find it encouraging on a corporate church level because I believe God is saying to Arena Church, and in particular, Arena Mansfield, look up from where you are. We've been together in this building for over two years and and we've had problems with the roof and goodness knows what. And we've had new people join us and sadly we've seen some people leave. But it's not time to settle yet. It's not time to settle yet. It's time to arise and walk into the land that God has given us. Now, I really believe God wants this church not to just to grow, but to multiply. I don't know whether we've got a map of Mansfield. I don't know whether we managed to do it. Okay. Well, I, I, I don't forget. We have got a map of Mansfield. You see, your husband's brilliant, isn't it, Julie? We've got a map of Mansfield. Look to the, to the north. Mansfield Woodhouse, Shybrook, Market Warsop. Look to the south, Kirby and Ashfield, Ravenshead, Bellamy Road Estate, 
to the west, we've got Ladybrook Estate, Sutton and Ashfield, all around there. To the east, we've got Oak Tree Lane, Bellamy Road, Rainworth. We don't begin to see with our eyes what God has given us. I believe that God is saying that this is a prophetic word, that God has given us this land. Look to the north, look to the south, look to the east, look to the west. Arise and walk into this land that I have given you. What a land full of potential. I know that when we start looking at it, we might see problems. We might see the housing estates, Bull Farm Estate, Oak Tree Lane, Bellamy Road. Sometimes they're known for the wrong reasons. But what potential there is for God's presence to make a difference. What a land full of potential. But we're instructed to walk the length and breadth of it. Cover it in prayer and praise. That is what this church is called to do. But how? How do we do it? Well, let me just try and give an example of two different styles of churches. Can you imagine, just use your imagination with me. Here's a church, and uh, it's full of lovely people. They meet every Sunday. They perhaps have a, a prayer group uh, on a Tuesday night, and they even have one or two small groups. And they're lovely, lovely people. But they don't outreach into the community. In fact, they don't know many non-Christians at all. They haven't had anybody join their church for quite a while. But they're lovely people. And they pray fervently for revival. And they're just hoping that one Sunday they'll come to church and they'll see a big queue of people down the street just waiting to get into church that God has sent them. And I'm not saying that God can't do that. But I think it's unlikely because God works in relationship. He works through relationships. That's why we talk about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's all about relationship. And so they, this church will never grow. It will never, ever multiply. And it will never influence the community that's in. Because it's their church. They look inwards at their church. Now over here, we've got a church that, is, that believes a church without walls. Oh, I love that expression. Church without walls. And they go into the community. And they do all kinds of outreach into the community. They help drug addicts. They help the homeless. They're always reaching out to people. But they never actually invite people back to church. Because, well, we're looking at their physical needs and helping with their physical needs. And they won't want to come to church where the presence of God is. And so this church, with all its outreach, neglects the spiritual side of things. So this church will never actually begin to grow or multiply, although it's influencing a certain number of people with its outreach. So it doesn't invite people back to the church, where the presence of God can change people's lives. Now, can you imagine sort of like somewhere in between? A church is full of lovely people. But it's got an outreach program. And here in this church, we've got Mr. and Mrs. Miggins. They're in the 60s. The family have left home and, and live away. But they're lovely people. Mrs. Miggins, she's a real prayer warrior. Oh, she knows the word. Oh, she stands on the word. 
And she kneels down every night and she prays. She prays for people. A real prayer warrior. And she's part of a small group. And then along comes Danny. Danny is a 22-year-old ex-drug addict and he's had a, a bit of a tough time and He's a good lad at heart, but he's been in prison because he used to steal to feed his habit, but he's clear of that now. And he starts, uh, was touched by the outreach program and, and invited to church. And he, he came to the small group that Mr. and Mrs. Miggins was in. And he found it strange at times because he found it a bit uncomfortable coming into church because he wasn't used to it. But Mrs. Miggins just loved him. Mrs. Miggins just used to make him her famous Lancashire hot pot and lemon drizzle cake. And in the small group, she just used to talk to him all the time. How are you? How are you doing, Danny? What's things happening? Tell me about your, what's going on in your life. And he just began to relax in the small group and in church because of the care and the love that was shown to him. One day, Mrs. Miggins said to him, Danny, I, I bought you some, um, some deodorant and some shampoo and shower gel. Because I want to say that your hygiene is not what it should be. Oh, we weren't offended at all. In fact, because of the relationship, he said, thank you very much. Mrs. Miggins said, and if you want, I'll, I'll arrange the small group to do some washing for you. And he was overblown. It, it was, his mind was just overwhelmed by this love. Mrs. Miggins had to go into hospital and, for a short operation and the first person to visit her, apart from Mr. Miggins, was, of course, Danny. See, that's the power of the local church in action. That's the power of small groups. And that is why at Arena we are intentional in talking about and showing people what small groups is all about. The power of small groups. Now, I've made those names up, but I have seen that reality take place in the small groups that I've been involved in. A few years ago, I had the honor of uh, being in a small group, and uh, Keith is not here um, tonight, Keith Scrimshaw, but Keith and his uh, late wife, Hazel, used to come to our small group. And Hazel was such a woman. She just loved people. She just oozed love and compassion. And she made great cake as well. <laughs> but I always used to see her talk to in our small group, we had ex-drug addicts, and she used to talk to them and just say to them, how are you? What are you doing? I never heard her once complain or moan about anything. She just loved people. She became a surrogate mother for many people in the small group. That is the power of small groups. I was reminded of a lady who I used to work with. She was a secretary in our office. And I often don't used to talk about church at the time. I wasn't in this one. I was in a different church. But I always used to talk about church, and I shared my testimony, my personal story. She was always asking questions. I invited her to come to church. And for three weeks on the trot, she came. And every time she came to church, she ended up crying. Not just crying, but heartfelt sobs. She, she wept. And then she stopped coming. So I happened to see her a couple of weeks later, in the office. I said, uh, I, I haven't seen you at church recently. He says, no, Paul, I, I get so emotional. Every time I've been, I just, I, I just get so emotional. I just start crying all the time. So I gently explained, well, it's just the presence of God just beginning to do something in your life. Don't worry about it. 
And she said this to me. I don't think I can come anymore. I know what's happening, but I don't think I can come anymore because I can't handle it on my own. Now, sadly, at that time, in the church I was in, the small groups and weren't working effectively or efficiently, and, and in a, want of a better word, she'd fallen through the net, and she stopped coming to church. Sadly, she found some other expression in New Age recce and tarot readings, and I just felt so sad. I don't want to belong to a church where people fall through the net, where people come to the presence of God and we begin to experience something changing their lives that they feel that they do it, have to do it on their own. That's not right, folks. That's why small groups are so important. And we're going to keep giving this message about small group because that's what happens. There's power in the small groups. We have to be a church that arises and walks into the land God has given us and engage with non-Christians on all different levels so that we can talk to them about our God and invite them to our church. You may say, well, that's okay for you, Paul. You know, I always get tongue-tied when I I try to tell people about my faith when I try to share my, my story. I don't know what to say. Well, believe it or not, I was exactly the same. But I was taught how to share my testimony. I was taught in the small groups how to give a quick testimony of faith. I was taught about it. So very quickly, I want to share something with you, which I learned many years ago. And it's this. Bill Hybels wrote a book. I love Bill Hybels. If ever you get a chance to read any of his books, I'd absolutely recommend them. And he did this book about evangelism. Now, evangelism... It seems to have, like, uh, used to be a buzzword at one time. It seems to have lost favor within the church. Because evangelism, people get frightened of the word evangelism. But it's just telling people about God. It's just telling people about your story. So he came out with this formula. HP plus CP plus CC equals MI. Now that sounds, woo, a bit like algebra, doesn't it? You know, that sounds complicated. And for a daft lad like me, I I thought, wow, I'm never going to understand that. In fact, I wasn't very good at algebra at all. Neither was Liz. We used to sit in the same maths class. And she used to say, what's question number two? And I used to get all... My mother was quite serious about it. Because I used to get, like, little lead marks on my shirt, where she used to jab me with the pencils. I thought I was going to get lead poisoning. She got caught cheating once because I put, I don't know the answer to number three, and she put, neither do I. (laughs) But but this is quite simple. And like all good algebra, we're going to start with the answer first. I don't know why they always do that. We're going to start with MI. What does MI mean? It stands for maximum impact or maximum impact. Influence to have the greatest spiritual influence possible on those around us. This is God's purpose expressed throughout the Bible. This can be given some, something as simple as giving somebody a sandwich when they're hungry. But it could also mean sharing your story, inviting them to church and into God's 
presence. So, let's start with HP. High potency. What does high potency mean? It means having a strong enough concentration of Jesus Christ influence in your lives that his power and his presence will be undeniable to others who you come into contact with. I came to faith because of such a guy who had high potency. I came to faith because I worked with a guy who I could see was different. He was different to all my drinking buddies. He had something in his life that I didn't have and that I wanted. And that was Jesus Christ. And we can, um, you know, we can spend time with God, reading his word, worshipping and fellowshipping together. We need to do that. It's time to stop playing games. It really is. And we've got to engage with God. Acknowledge what Jesus Christ has done for us. You know, it's, a, it's an old saying, but it's so true. That it wasn't the nails that held Jesus to the cross. But his love for all of us. When we know Jesus Christ, when we come into his presence, when we read his word, when we begin to worship and fellowship together, when we come to church, we get so full of the Holy Spirit. We get so full of this high potency that people around us are naturally drawn to us because they see something different. So HP, high potency, plus close proximity. We need to get close to people in order to allow his power to have its intended effect. Relationship building is an art that sadly seems to be waning. People now have 500 plus friends on Facebook, but don't have one real relationship where they can call on a friend when they're in desperate need. We need to practice getting into close proximity with people, whether we are in the bus queue or in the gym or in the office or wherever we are. Everyone these days seems so isolated, plugged in to their own little world. You see them walking around the marketplace, you see them walking everywhere. Don't touch me, don't come close. Well, we've got to develop a strategy where we can actually engage with people. And it's not going to be easy at times. But we need to learn to gently interrupt their isolation and get close to them. We don't often dare do that because we think we might get rebuffed. But the reality is that often many people are so lonely in the crowd that actually they are longing for someone to just speak with them and engage with them. How do we do that? Well, we need to pray. We need to pray for guidance and be led by the Spirit. And be brave and just do it. Last week I was walking through the Four Seasons. Uh, It was lunchtime. And I was going to get some lunch. And I saw a lady walking in front of me. And uh, she got a coat on. And there was this really grubby wooden pallet sticker. Six inches by six inches that had attached itself in the middle of her back. And I was following her. And everybody was looking at it going... What's she on the back? You know, what's that, what's that? And I thought, oh, should I tell her? Should I actually tap her on the shoulder and say, excuse me, do you know you've got this sticker on your back? And I thought, no, no, I can't do that. She'll think I'm a weirdo. You know, she's, she's in her 20s and 30s, and I'm just a little bit older than that. And, and, I, and I thought, I thought what, what, what should I, would I want somebody to tell me if I've got a silly sticker on my back? 
So I said, excuse me, I don't know, but did you know you've got a sticker on your bag? And she looked at me, like a bit weird, like, you know. She reached out. She saw what it was, and obviously you could see the recognition in her eye. Oh, yeah, yeah, thanks ever so much, thank you. Either one of the friends had done it at work, or she just put a coat down on her palate and got, got stuck. And as I was walking away, I didn't talk, her, talk to her about God or anything like that, but I was, and I don't really advocate, you know, men approaching and engaging with women and vice versa. I'm just using this as an example. But just, as I walked away, I just felt God say, well, that was easy to engage, wasn't it? Perhaps you might be more ready next time. It was just a simple thing. But we do need to learn and be aware of when we can engage with people. We need to practice more. Engaging with people and getting into conversation with people. I sometimes take uh, father-in-law shopping. He's 84. And you can't walk round Tesco's in at least an hour and a half. He only buys three things. I said, go on then, Dad, you, you take this trolley and, and it'll, it'll stop with something and I'll go and get something else, come back. And he's talking to somebody. And he'll be, I stood there. And he's talking about everything. About the weather, about the state of the economy, about the world and what have you. And he said, all right, cheerio then. I said, who was that, Dad? I said, I don't know. I don't know, I just met him. We just got talking about the price of cheese. And he's got this knack. If only he became a Christian, he'd be a great people to engage. And we've lost this heart of just talking to people. We need to have a strategy in our minds. How do we come across to people? How do we have this close proximity? And then, of course, clear communication. In order to have the maximum impact, the maximum influence, we need to know the gospel message. We need to know and be ready and willing to clearly communicate our story. This doesn't mean you have to go to Bible college or have a degree in theology, but we need to understand some basic principles and be able to explain and be ready to answer people who ask us to explain the hope we have in us and do it with gentleness and respect. Small groups, again, is a great place to learn basic principles about sharing your story, about sharing your faith in a safe environment. Maximum impact. Can you imagine what would happen if everyone here grasped and hold on to these principles and ran with them? So we can put this into practice. If you can practice your testimony through the privacy and safety of small groups, if you can practice you know, sharing your faith and, and, and train, get trained and encouraged in the small groups, built up by the presence of God on a Sunday, encouraged and trained through the small groups midweek, and then through the rest of the week, looking out for that high potency, looking out, how do I get close to people? How do I just breach conversations with people? When I'm in the gym, I'm on the cross trainer next to the person next to me. Oh, I'd go in, into it. Yeah, it is, isn't it? You've been coming here long? Oh, oof. Just getting into those conversations giving you a chance to have that clear communication. I went to the barbers the other day and uh, had a bit of a trim, a bit of a sanding down, payday haircut. And uh, he says, uh, what are you doing today? I says, I'm off today, but actually I'm going to a meeting. Uh, I was a meeting Christian. I said, I'm going to a meeting and uh, I've, uh, I belong to a, a local church. Oh, do you? Oh, what church you belong to? I said, Arena Church. I don't know if you've seen it. It used to be Riley's uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen, I've gone past that. What kind of church is that? It's a Pentecostal church. What does that mean? 
So there I was, just having my hair cut, and I just shared my testimony. I just shared my testimony. So very easy. Now, I didn't say, you know, can I now pray for you to be washed in the blood of the Lamb? And, you know, if you don't repent, you're going to hell. I didn't say, you know. But I just shared my story. Two minutes. It didn't take that long to have my hair cut. And they said, thanks. That's great. Do you know Jay? I says, yeah, I do, yeah. Because he's a barber in the same shop. He wasn't there that day. He says, uh, he's a Christian. I said, yeah, I've seen him at our church. Have you? Yeah, he's been once or twice to our church. So all of a sudden, we've got a connection. So next time I go, I'm going to really grow my hair long. <laughs> so next time I go, it's going to take at least an hour for him, for him to trim it. And I get into conversation again. And that's how it works, folks, isn't it? Can you imagine just connecting with people? Look up from where you are. Arise and walk into the land God has given you. Share your story and invite people to church. Then we will see multiplication like we have never known before. And this arena church will influence our our community. Look to the north, to the south, to the east, and to the west. Amen? Very quickly, could I ask the uh, musicians to just come up and play?